Welcome back to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for Marvel's WandaVision. Shenanigan is like problem, but more silly than scary, but can sometimes be a little scary. And welcome to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and in this week's episode titled Previously On, we are going way back to see visions of the past, a different kind of witch trial, and a new terrifying vision of the present. But first, if you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, uh, but like way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and the MCU in general. So if you haven't watched this week's episode, be sure to do so and then come right back in a snap. Now before we wander into a room protected by rune magic, rendering our own magic useless, let me introduce you to my own coven of magical hosts joining me on the show today. As always, we have the jiggledy-piggledy of gestational gingerbread-covered journeys, Justin. Oh, hello. I thought jiggledy-piggledy was like a witch word. I don't know. I don't know. And in a war-torn apartment watching season two, episode 21 of the Dick Van Dyke Show, we have the kitchen witch of catastrophic, kooky, and chaotic conundrums, Kevin the Covenator Hudson. Witch, please. (laughs) (laughs) And joining us once again before he sucks our souls and flies away. We have Monster of the Matinee, Mage of the Marquis, the Mythical, Maniacal, Master of Mirrors, Mr. Monroe Chambers. Hello, hello, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Is that like you reveal yourself to be a witch and then that's how you say it? You just, hello, hello. I just mimic uh, Wanda's accent. Yeah, that's it. That was was perfect. I mean, at some points in this show, that was her accent. Uh, But listen, welcome back to the show, Monroe. Uh, happy to have you back on. For those who don't know, uh, we had Monroe on our season two finale episode of Watch Club for The Mandalorian. Uh, and we are so stoked to have you back to talk some WandaVision. Uh, thanks for having me back, fellas. Yeah, it's nice to have you back. Before we kind of like dive in, would you mind letting our listeners know, you know, who may have missed you the first time around? Who are you? What are you all about? Uh, who is Monroe Chambers? Yeah, I, I'm an actor of Canada of the last 22 years. Um, I'm, uh, I'm a big geek, weirdo, fun-loving guy. Uh, weird to me is a compliment and I take that with pride. Uh, and I, I like discussing all this radical fun stuff. So <laughs> that's it. I'm also trying to make belief enthusiasts. So if you have any, uh, debates you want to go there, I'll, I'll happily <laughs> indulge. Well, I mean, listen, I think when we talk about weird Monroe, I mean, if anyone doesn't know... Monroe is a phenomenal writer of fan fiction, and he's got chapters of, of different fan fictions from around the world. I'd love to hear a fan fiction that involves uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs someday. Yeah, that would involve that would involve winning the Stanley Cup. That's about as <laughs> that's real fiction. That's fiction. about as fiction as it gets. That's it. That's yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> 
Well, uh, again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, before we get into the plot and uh, and really get into our thoughts on what happened on this week's episode, um, let's start with a brief overview, uh, maybe some of your high-level uh, thoughts on the episode. Uh, Monroe, as our guest, we'll start with you. And could you give us your thoughts on the series so far, as well as your, your high-level thoughts on this episode? The series so far has... Uh, really surprised me. I didn't know what to expect coming into it because Wanda and Vision weren't two characters I I really tapped into. I, I didn't really... Not that I didn't care, but it was like there was other characters that were way above the list for me and they blew it out of the park from the very first episode. Just references to previous um, forms of cinema. Um, it's really been a clinic from the production down um, with performances, set deck... Um, style of performances, all different kind of genres. I, I just think it's been absolutely wonderful. And this episode, I think, again, is another lead up, another more backstory, but also they're doing an incredible job showing that they're more than just superheroes. They're touching really, really sensitive issues and they're talking about really important topics and they're doing a great, they're doing a great representation of making it real in a fantastical world. And that is so hard to achieve. So to me, they get my full applause. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think you nailed it right there with we got a lot of uh, we got a couple of really good touching moments, I think, uh, in this in this episode. But yeah, making it making it real uh, and, and making it relatable uh, is something that Marvel kind of has done since the dawn of time. That's that's, you know, that's Stan Lee's mission statement, right, is to mm-hmm. is to make these characters uh, real and relatable. Um, Justin, what did you think of this uh, this episode? The episode is great. It was fantastic from start to finish. Um, you know, it was it was all the answers that we've wanted. You know, it was kind of we discussed it in last week's episode uh, with Mike. Um, the past seven episodes have felt kind of like a build up to this, getting these sort of answers. And uh, actually, I think Mike said it best when he said uh, the show does a really good job of raising questions, then drip feeding you answers along the way. And, you know, this episode kind of was that fulfillment of that leading us to it. All these little things that were, you know, hinted at throughout the, the various episodes from episode one to, to now, uh, you know, you get to kind of uh, see some of them come through and, and some of them turn different directions and, and things that never, you know, never actually get a full resolution. So uh, this was this was a lot of fun. It was probably the most MCU episode of the show of the series thus far um minus maybe four but four kind of lingered in both right so uh but yeah i I think it was it was great top notch very cool kevin um well uh, monroe certainly touched on the fact that this show just does such an amazing job uh week to week shifting tonally to adapt to whatever historical element of television they're they're you know paying tribute to uh the fact that they did that in terms of you know shifting the atmosphere from the the opening sequence and then the three different sort of Christmas Carol esque glimpses into Wanda's past, every one was so different and was reminiscent of a different style of of movie or television. And just to be able to do that three or four times in a single episode involving the same two or you know several characters was just so flawlessly done. So. In that regard, I think this was the best episode of the show in terms of what they were able to achieve mm-hmm. just thematically. Uh, it, mm-hmm. was, it, was, it was a pretty cool experience. Very cool. 
Yeah, no, I, I have to absolutely agree with you. I think it was I think it was also a fantastic breakaway from the format that we've been just getting, you know, for the entire series. Right. Uh, and, and I loved getting a little sneak peek into Agatha's like origin, uh, as well as part of you know, parts of Wanda's past that we knew happened, but we've never really actually had the chance to see. And you know, this episode, like you said, Justin, it gives us so many answers. Uh, and and for some people, I, you know, I've I've read some some people online saying it's a little bit too transparent. Like, you know, they they answered too much. I'm like, okay, make up your mind. Uh, but <laughs> I thought it, I thought it did a fantastic job providing yeah. context and providing motivation for the finale. It, it did what it needed to do. Exactly. Um, yes. So, guys, let's let's do what we need to do. Let's get into this plot uh, and uh, and kind of we're gonna take it beat by beat, like we always do here on Watch Club. Uh, and then I want to hear your thoughts with some questions that I've got uh, for each section. So. Let's dive in. Um, we start the episode in 1693, Salem, Massachusetts, and we see a young Agatha dr- being dragged through the forest towards a globe. Sorry, towards a group of cloaked figures. She's tied to a post and is accused of stealing knowledge above her age and station, and for practicing the darkest of dark magic. After refusing to admit her crimes against her coven, the surrounding witches begin to chant and then cast their magic on her. She begins to scream until the blue magic emanating from the witches around her turns purple, and the life starts to drain from their bodies. Agatha's power is too strong for all the other witches, and even the coven leader, who we learn is Agatha's mother. When they all fall lifeless onto the floor, she leans down, picks up her mother's brooch, and then flies away. So, guys, I want to hear your thoughts on this very, very different uh, opening scene. And what do you think Agatha was caught trying to learn? Monroe, as our guest, we're going to start with you. I, I, I always like when they take the obvious and reverse it. So I really like how the obvious for Salem Witch Trials is, okay, you bring a woman into a stake and you pin her up and say, are you a witch? If she says she's a witch, you put stones on her feet and you throw in the ocean. And if she says she's not a witch, she's like, okay, we'll put stones on her feet and see if she flies out. And then she'll prove that she's a witch. Like, I love that. So this was kind of the the flip where they're like, no, 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 you're part of the coven. We are witches. We are, this is real. And I, I don't, I can't tell you what she was trying to learn. I, I, I like that she's like, I'm bending the rules. They're bending to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, really enjoyed that scene. The only thing that I thought was really interesting is her scream while being um, attacked with the powers of the other witches or the mm. spells is I felt the entire time she was going to break out into a laugh at some point. She decided not to. And I think that was yeah. a great choice. But I feel like the scream was I feel like it was like like most of the show was just like a smoke and mirrors like, oh, I'm in pain. No, I'm not. I'm really enjoying this. I'm I'm playing with my food. Hmm. And the one part that I thought was really interesting as well was, I don't know if you noticed it, I'm sure you did, but there was another color there. I thought it was interesting that the blue color was coming from the witches that are the good witches or the witches that are, um, you know, using their, their spells for good. And then Agatha has the purple, but there was hmm. a yellow color there. Yeah, it was like a okay. yellow red. A lot of people were saying it was like a reddish reddish color that was her to like signify her pain. Coming and then from her, the inside, yeah. Yeah, coming from the inside. And then when she absorbs their blue, it turns it to purple. And like it, it's 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 an interest it's cool because we've seen that effect already in in and I think Thor, like that usage of like yeah. that pain, that sort of glowing in Thor, and I think in uh, even Iron Man three, oddly enough, with with how they those those guys combust in that movie. And I didn't think it was pain. I thought that's the reference I thought it was. To me, I think whatever for whatever whatever magic they're using. 
I feel like that was maybe a symbol of certain life because you see the life being drained from the other witches. And then as we see later in the episode, I'll reference it later when we talk about it, but that yellow comes back while yes. the powers are being used. So I think that yellow, kind of like the Mind Stone, there's something to that that has something form of life. It's interesting you say that because, um, you know, I was I was trying to look up, uh, I was doing a bit of research late last night, and I was trying to look up, like, what other instances of, like, magic have we seen in the MCU, given how much magic we're getting, especially from this first scene in, in this, this episode, and... The purple, the purple magic, though, in uh, in Black Panther really stood out to me as being like almost the exact same color. Well, and it's interesting because Agatha is so um, sort of wrapped around this color of purple. And in comics, traditionally, purple has represented villains and, and the bad guys. Right. So Black Panther seems to be sort of a, a bit of a stray from that idea. Um, but yeah, so I just love the, the the fact that Agatha is so sort of absorbed by this purple sort of tonality. Yeah, and I loved I loved seeing her like it, uh, Monroe. To your point, like you thought she was going to start laughing at one point. I definitely did sense that she was getting almost a sense of like pleasure at one point. Like you see it in her face, and I think Catherine Hahn. Uh, it's there's such a fantastic subtle moment where Catherine Hahn looks up at her mom uh, floating in the air, uh, but before she does anything, she gives this like slight little smirk when she just realizes that she's the most powerful witch in her coven, and I'm just like that's it just you know even with the aging down effect that they did to to her face, I just thought that was so cool how they were able to really convey that. And and uh, just to touch on that, are we all on the same page here that this was her plan all along? Like that she had been studying the dark magic. She lured them into this sort of trap and, and you know, yeah. I love so, that. Yeah. I love that. Just realizing that her plan was working and just going, I did it, you know, I've, I've, you know, and it sets up so much of her motivation for the rest of the episode. For sure. And her hunt for power. And I, I totally agree. I think that was the purpose of that scene more, more so than just an origin story to her, but really to establish her hunt for power and how she is, is that, that sort of animal feeding off of that so to kevin's point set up her motivations moving forward to the remainder of this season and i think she's really powerful like i think she's really powerful because i think i think she was trying to learn uh a certain type of magic that we'll talk about you know at the end of this episode um and i think she she eventually realizes like as she's growing up that she she almost hits a wall and that you know she she doesn't really um she she discovers Wanda and Westview 330 years later as an op- another opportunity like this one was, right? Uh, we cut back to see Agatha interrogating Wanda and calling her uh, calling out her ephemeral accent while letting her know that her magic won't work due to the witch's runes placed around the room. She lets her know that she summoned fake Pietro, or Fietro, uh, as she calls him, uh, because she couldn't use necromancy as the real Pietro's body was on another continent, not to mention full of holes. Agatha lets Wanda know she couldn't make heads or tails of how Wanda created Westview along with all of its inhabitants. So she decides to take Wanda on a journey through some of the darkest moments in her life, starting with the death of her parents. 
We see Agatha and Wanda walk into the apartment of Irina and Oleg Maximoff, where she relives family TV night as a young Wanda along with her brother. Her mom sees a war skirmish through the window and decides to ignore it. And then Wanda picks her favorite episode of The Dick Van Dyke Show to watch and and watches the show as she admires Rob and Laura as they have uh, the most fun, uh, sorry, as they have for the most fun shenanigans. Then it happens. Out of nowhere, a bomb goes off, killing their parents. When when young Wanda comes to, her and her brother see a stark bomb in front of them, uh, sounding like it's about to detonate. As she reaches her hand towards the bomb, Agatha pulls her out of the moment and asks, did you stop that bomb? So guys, that's actually the question that I have for you for this scene. Was it Wanda who stopped the bomb from going off? And do you think that this was the first time she discovered her powers, meaning she didn't fully get her powers from the Mind Stone and is truly a mutant? Justin. Yes, 100%. I think that... <laughs> right? uh, I think that's that awesome. That scene... A hundred percent solidifies that there was something special about her from the get-go, probably her and Pietro, right? Mm -hmm. And what that is will, you know, slowly unravel. Where they're hinting at where it's going, obviously, is, is, is very interesting as well. But yeah, that's, I think that's, that is the confirmation that that's why they survived. And I think we were discussing this maybe last episode as well. Like there's already a groundwork here with, with these two characters to say that mutants already exist in the MCU. Yes. It's just that this cosmic sort of riff, if you will, of, of whatever, you know, is, 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 has happened, has created, you know, new mutations. So it's going to be interesting to see how, how it all plays out. But yeah, a hundred percent. Absolutely. Monroe, what did you think of this explosive scene? I kind of want to refer, if I can, I want to refer back a little bit further. So it sure. they go hand in hand, but I love that Agatha keeps speaking her spells and is kind mm. of trying to teach the untaught witch. Like it's it there's this there's this air of jealousy, envy, arousal of the of the master being like you've never been taught. It's like someone who's been taught 30 years of singing and knows every trick in the book and then Michael Jackson steps out as Jackson 5 is like how'd you do this? If they had mm. never had any trainings. So I think there's something there. I think 100% she's, she has that ability. 100% she is a mutant and stopped it. I don't, I don't believe for a second. But again, this kind of... I, I really like this intro to talking about uh, PTSD, talking about trauma, and how people's lives can turn into forming their own reality through damage and through pain. And mm-hmm. I, th- I think it was just such a beautiful representation. I also like that Catherine Hahn, sorry to keep going, but I, I like that Catherine Hahn breaks the fourth wall multiple times in this, in this uh, episode. She, she talks about the, you know, what every, uh, well, not every, but a, a huge chunk of the fan base talked about Wanda's weird accent that goes in and out of the entire yes. MCU. <laughs> and, and then, but again, also showcasing where it's the beginning of showcasing how incredible Elizabeth Olsen really is. And I think a lot of people had a stigma about her that she's an Olsen sister. And now she's going like, she, it's really Catherine Hahn just really knocked out the back. It's also referencing the little boy, like referencing Pietro and like saying, it's like, he's loud, isn't he? We're right here. <laughs> like it was, yeah, was like, so good. just wonderful. What, what a wonderful, you know, foot through the door of her past in this episode. 
you're 100% right about that whole instance of the interrogation, Monroe. Like, you know, you see how Agatha feels threatened uh, and also just just baffled. Like, you don't know basic charm skills. Like, you don't know the basics. Like, I've been studying and practicing this my entire life, and here you are. And she, and she even goes so far as to show three different tricks of basically what Wanda's doing in one. Saying, you know, I can do this trick, I can do this trick, but I can't do this trick that yeah. you're doing right now, yeah. right? So what what has what has brought us here? What is doing this? And I think it's cool because we establish her motives even more. She wants to know how she what what Wanda's doing, but also we establish that she's she was drawn there. She wasn't there waiting. Like that's a that's another topic of discussion as we get further down. But she was drawn to this this entity that that Wanda created. So that's interesting. Yeah, we had thought that we had thought that that was going to be. Uh, you know, she, her, and Wanda worked together to create this, right? Mm-hmm. And and now we're, we're we kind of got exactly. that answer. Kevin, what did you think of this uh, this couple scenes here? Um, so I mean, I think you guys focused on like the really important elements that we we get out of the scene. Um, but one thing I've enjoyed doing um, this whole time as we've been going episode to episode is trying to sort of spot sitcom references. Uh, and in this scene it was basically the only instance of a direct reference uh, that we get. Um, And so the episode of the Dick Van Dyke show that she wants to watch is quite, it was chosen for a reason. Um, The episode itself was titled, It May Look Like a Walnut. Um, In 2009, (laughs) TV Guide ranked it as uh, the 13th best episode in television history. So, A, she's got great taste, apparently. (laughs) Um, But essentially, in the episode, Dick Van Dyke's character uh, watches a scary sci-fi movie about an alien invasion. uh, And then then the next day, it appears as if uh, the movie is coming true in his actual life. Turns out at the end that it all just it's all just a dream. Uh, And so, I mean, A, you've got a character living in a fabricated reality, uh, which sounds quite familiar. Um, and then also the episode, you know, with the themes of aliens and space, um, with so much of phase four going to be, you know, taking place in space with, you know, Captain Marvel, Monica Rambo now, uh, and the Eternals. I just think there was a a lot went into choosing that episode, you know, to be such, uh, to take place at such a significant time in her life. Yeah, it's, it's. It's perfect that they pick that and, and you can see that it served as a bit of an inspiration for this show because even I think the walnut actually ends up being in the episode and it, and it exudes a yellow glow. Right. And I think that that's that in itself is is very telling as to uh, sort of source material for what I think this whole series is kind of about. No, for sure. And I think I think speaking of being inspired, I mean, seeing seeing Wanda's face as she's watching that that episode and seeing her you know, inspired by the costumes and inspired by, um, you know, by the characters of, of the Dick Van Dyke show and just everything that happened. Honestly, I'm not going to lie. And I listen, I know I cry a lot, you guys. Okay. But this scene actually got me tearing up. I'm not going to lie. Like the moment, the moment she, she embraces her dad and she hugs him and they're all so happy and it's, it's TV night and they're gathering around the, the TV. I'm like, I know what's about to happen. Like, you know, what's about to happen. And and I got shivers down my spine even after rewatching the scene. The moment the bomb goes off, like it's t- it's terrifying, and it's it's an incredibly and and terribly sad start for for our main character. Um, but yes, 
I think she discovered her powers in this moment through her sheer willingness to believe that it was all a dream, like the the all a dream motif. And I think she's seen, you know, she's because she's seen that in it's in so so many TV sitcoms. Uh, so I think that is just something that you know you can imagine a little girl like her. And and again, it it kind of speaks through her moment of trauma. Uh, we discussed in last week's episode with Monica, Justin, as you mentioned, right? And and how she got through her trauma and got to her powers. So it's just cool to see how many parallels they're actually able to gather between these two characters that we, we normally, I don't think we would normally put together. Uh, I, I am going to go out on a limb here and suggest that her father might be a witch himself because in his trunk of DVDs is season one of Malcolm in the Middle. Now, this, this takes place in 1999, this yeah. evening in her life, but that DVD, the show didn't even come out till 2000. So how did he have it? He's definitely rocking some magic. Uh, I mean, maybe. I know. I think that's a, it was a weird slip up in my opinion, especially yeah. because we, you know, throughout the episode, we, we either see the DVDs of the shows we, we get referenced in that trunk or we see her watching them later. And she does watch Malcolm in the, in the middle later. So it shouldn't have been in that trunk. I think it's a rare slip up in terms of details for the Marvel team. I'm not going to give them crap about it, but I will call it out. I think that's an intentional slip up. I think they're wanting you to ask that question. Because again, there's something weird about how Agatha, as we see more, is guiding her through her memories. And there's something weird that happens through the third scene of her past that I think is very, very interesting. But I, the, the moment that the bomb went off, it took me the third time I watched it for it to stop making me jump. Yeah. Um, that was one thing. But the only thing I want to reference is like earlier on, we know that the rabbit is somebody, right? Like everybody oh, yeah. can, everyone can agree on that, that the rabbit is because they eat, they eat carrots. Like they, yeah. they don't eat birds. We know this, right? Like that's biology. Yeah. That was the red, <laughs> that was the red herring. I think, I think it's either some possessed, manifestation of something or i think in her the comics she had her son that manifested an animal spirit so it it could be her son but remember agatha has slipped up before right we saw the moment with with uh pietro calling back to that memory from them as as kids right and that that didn't even look like them like that wasn't even them in the same scene right when you look back and so when you when you uh you know when you think about it maybe this is part of Agatha extracting these memories. Yeah, yeah, she's going to make a slip up there with that right. with that DVD. Sure. Um, <laughs> so the the next moment uh, you know brings Agatha and Wanda uh, to her first interaction with the Mind Stone in a Hydra testing facility. She walks towards it as it rips itself from Loki's scepter and floats towards her. It explodes into this extremely bright yellow color and she sees a figment of herself in the in the classic Scarlet Witch outfit floating towards her. Then she falls back after the Hydra scientists discover she's still alive. They review the footage only to see that it has been altered to hide what actually happened. So, gentlemen, what exactly is that, you know, in terms of what she saw? Uh, was it a vision of her future or was it, you know, her from the future? Was it someone else entirely? Um, Monroe, what do you think? I don't think it was someone else entirely. I, I just love that moment. I think it was beautiful cinematically. My mind went straight to Quill and Ego. So my mind went to that she is some form of a, form of a celestial being in mm-hmm. some sense because you can only touch the touch Infinity Stone or get close to it without killing you if you have that kind of ability. 
Hmm. If you have that blood in you. So she, her powers, if like, if she's, she's a mutant, but whether she's an Omega or anything like that, and that allows her to be that close. And she has that ab- ability to manipulate people's vision of, th- of, of the events in front of them. I think maybe she tapped into that mind stone and then you see her with vision because of that connection. But I think she maybe saw her future or, or there was some kind of connection between them. I thought I, that, that my mind went straight to Quill. Interesting. I, I think that that's, that's actually very accurate as to how they're kind of depicting, you know, the manifestation of, of her character. Uh, she's kind of like touched with a uh, sort of internal power, if you will, that dons the name that she would be given at the end of the episode. Um, but like the idea that they're turning it into like almost like a phoenix, you know, like phoenix occupied the body of Jean Grey, right? And I think that's what they're kind of doing with this is is they're kind of going down that route because there's there is there is a good amount of of comic background that leans in that direction as well. So I, I think it's I, I think that's that's very accurate. That's I would I could I could see something like that happening. Yeah, I think I think it's very possible that 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 could be the case. I also I also kind of feel like I don't know, it, it could be her from the future as you know, the fully truest form of herself providing her, you know, kind of hope to be like, you know, in her darkest moment, like she really needed someone. And it just how crazy is it like with time loops, right? That she could have been the one that, you know, pulled her out of her own darkest moment. Um, I just think that would be really, really cool. Uh, and it's just it's just an interesting uh, idea. But yeah, that was that whole scene. The, it, Monroe, to your first point, the way it was shot, the way that they did the camera, you know, coming out of the glass that was actually like a mirror, but you didn't see the camera the entire time. Oh, that was so well done. Yeah. The, the way it like flips as they're coming through the door. That was so cool. It's so cool. And just, yeah, overall, the whole scene was, was really beautiful and uh, and really lovely. The only thing I also thought of, I and I, I did research of, to make sure it wasn't, but I got a really big um, flashback of Stryker and Wolverine in that room. Like oh, it yeah. made me really think of the 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 room in in the first X Men or in the second where Wolverine is getting yeah. the adamantium put into him, and I was like, yeah, yeah. is there some kind of blood like breathe there like was was striker verse of like could somehow form a he, hydra and as like he wasn't but it's it was interesting it's very I was like, likely I was like, oh, though was weird he, if he was in the comic universe if they shared the same comic universe a hundred percent in the cinematic world right that, that would be the world that he would be associated with because uh you know hot take here i wonder if sword's gonna be bringing in sentinels into the MCU, right? Like, I wonder if that's mm. how you get Sentinels. Justin, um, Justin, I'll ask that you hold off for a moment. We've got somebody that was super it. stoked to write in about that, so we'll get to that a little bit later for sure. But yes, very cool. Okay, so then we proceed to the next moment, which is kind of a sweet one, uh, where Wanda is watching Malcolm in the Middle while staying uh, with Vision at the Avengers compound. This is when she was kind of in her isolation. Uh, and Wanda realizes that Vision is standing in the room next to her and asks him to come in. Uh, after explaining the intricacies of sitcom comedy to Vision, uh, the two share a really beautiful moment where Vision shares with Wanda that grief is love persevering. I thought that was... Uh, so to recap, parents dead, brother dead, Vision dead. Wanda wanted Vision back. She really wanted him back. So Agatha brings Wanda uh, to her next memory, which is a little more recent, where she confronts Tyler Hayward at the sword base. She demands Vision's body back, uh, and he shares with her that that won't be possible. Uh, 
He shows her a team of sword technicians dismantling Vision, uh, who he describes as the most sophisticated sentient weapon ever made. He asks Wanda why she would want to bury him when she has the power to bring him up back online. Uh, forgive me, back to life. Uh, she says that's not why she's here. And when Hayward refuses to let her take Vision's body with her, she blasts through the window and then touches Vision's head and says, I can't feel you. She looks at a letter in her car and drives to Westview, New Jersey, to a plot of land where Vision was building her a home they could grow old together in. I'm going to cry again. Uh, <laughs> she lets out the largest burst of energy she's ever experienced and creates the hex, her home, her own vision, and the show we know as WandaVision. So guys, before we move forward, what are your thoughts on Hayward now that we know he clearly lied about the footage that he shared with the team in episode five? I mean, obviously we know what he was hiding, which we'll, we'll get to, but I want to know with, with only one episode left, is Hayward the real enemy to Wanda or Monica? Kevin. Oh, that's that. Um, I mean, I, th I think there's obviously something nefarious going on with, with what we see uh, at the and the, the the mid credit stinger, but you know just the fact that he you know basically deep faked, you know her breaking in and stealing the body and everything. I just thought that was just a a, a great way to, you know, officially reveal him as as someone not to be you know trusted. I thought that whole scene that was very strange. Like if that's how it went down, you know, she couldn't she couldn't get in through through the front, you know, through this lobby. Okay, go down the hall, two doors to the right, and then it just takes her to Hayward, right? So he's obviously lured her there, right? Which, mm. you know, like he lured her there so that that letter could be put in her car. Because where the hell did that come from, right? Like it did. Oh, there was no. no. There was no. There like to me that was the biggest weird thing about this episode is like it, it didn't they they just made it seem when she op when he opened it when she opened it that it was from vision but like she got there she sits in the car they focus on the letter and she's just kind of like almost surprised by it like i i don't like i don't know like that I, it makes was just me strange. so sad if that's not actually from vision because i was like that is so sweet and and sad at the same time and if that's from them luring her to westview new jersey specifically I mean that I don't know. I that would make me really upset. I hope well, that's the, not the, the case. only reason why that makes me ask that question is because those ruins that Agatha is occupying, yeah. they're conveniently next door to, to like her neighborhood. Like there's something else here. I think there's still a, a reveal for they're some. They're working together. Well, I think there's a reveal here of of something darker that may have mm. lured. Uh, Wanda there that then effectively lured Agatha there, right? And I think, you know, who knows? We could see a triple triple threat chick showdown with Monica, Agatha, and Wanda, but who knows? I don't oh, know. But with, with, with what you're saying there, Jess, I like this idea, but would it not then have been Agatha who left, you know, the, the, the sort of trap to get Wanda to go to Westview? No, because she said that she was drawn to the power of the hex that she right. created. Mm, she was true. drawn there. So it's true. like, so something lured her to Westview to go to this plot of land that maybe, who knows, maybe Vision did or maybe it wasn't. And it was it was to feed off of that, right? Like, I, I think there's something that's still to be unraveled there. And did you guys pick up on that moment of reverse psychology when, when yes. you know, Hayward very clearly is like, 
you know, you could bring him back to life. Like, his, do it. Like, he's bring him back to life. He's enticing yeah. her. He's enticing yeah. her. He's saying, show me what you got. Show me what you yeah. got. I know you can bring do it. Bring it back to bring it. And because he wanted it to be powered back up. Right? Exactly. Um, Monroe, I want to know your thoughts. And then we've got a, a writing question, actually. I think you all nailed it on the head there um, when it comes to Hayward and, and his intentions. Um, I don't, personally, I don't believe the note was planted just because her reaction to the note didn't suggest it. Mm. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen is too good of an actor to miss passing a comment on something that significant if it was something, and they didn't show it even cinematically, that it would be something like strange. So I I think there was something like if it is then then great wonderful like Hayward's obviously something not to be trusted whether he is who he is or not you know there's a lot of theory about that um, but I kind of personally just want to reference a couple little bits on the performance side of how great Elizabeth Olsen is like oh, you yeah. have to understand how real she decided to go she didn't mm-hmm. do um, superhero styled emotion. When she's touching right. a vision's head and saying, I can't feel you, that's coming from a real place. Like, that's not, that's not something that should be overlooked. And I think throughout this entire episode, you're seeing how much depth goes into the character structure of these Marvel characters. And I think throughout this entire series, I personally believe there is a little bit behind the writers, the creators, the producers, and the actors to show we're real cinema. And I personally believe this this whole series was a way to show we are this good. And I think it just, again, it just shows in a very fantastical superhero world that depression, that PTSD, that trauma of grief, and how what that can turn into into your psyche. She's creating this whole world for herself, but if you take away the powers where that's rooted to in an actual person that has to go through that and it's so powerful and i just say i applaud them for showcasing it in a real way when it comes to emotions and relationships for people who can resonate with it and feel with it and i know for me personally i have but they also let you lose yourself in their world and enjoy Mm -hmm. the cinematic experience Mm -hmm. very good yeah that scene goes over and, and touches his head and says she says i i can't i can't feel you just the only other time that they had a moment like that it was an infinity war when they're uh, bunkered down and she, you know they're in their little apartment and she says you know I, all i feel is you they were able to recreate moments with different with different parameters and really harken back and, and give it new uh, elevation with the emotion well and, and i mean one of my biggest complaints i won't even call it a complaint because it's hard to criticize the show in any but one of my biggest issues was I didn't feel they did enough to set those two up as this loving couple to justify everything that was going on in the show. <clears throat> and that scene um, at the Avengers compound where they're, you know, they're sort of getting to know each other a little bit was just, it did so much to develop the roots and the, and the foundations of that relationship that it's like, okay, I, I get it now. You know what I mean? Like it's, like they're doing so much to either, you know, you mentioned it earlier, Monroe, where it's like, okay, we've made fun of the accent a few times. Now we can all just move on from that with our lives here. It's like, this is where their love started. You know, I think, I think they're just doing such an incredible job to even a naysayer like myself is now like, yeah, team, uh, you know, what vision, you know, I'm, I'm on division. <laughs> well, yeah. 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 <laughs> the one thing I loved was when Wanda is 
creating this entire world around her when she's on the the property line. The one thing I also want to talk about is when they're talking about the property deed, I, I zoomed in to see who issued the property deed, and it was no other than Kate Weddle, who is the set designer of WandaVision. Oh, that makes oh, so much sense. Cool. They so usually cool. do that, but I think we deserve, she deserves, and that entire team deserves a shout out for the incredible work they've done the entire season. So, you know, Kay Weddle, your entire team, just incredible. But also, so when she's creating this entire, you know, the house around her and everything like that, that, it's, everything is red. The power source from her is all red, and then it goes yellow when she's creating new life. So, wow. previously in the episode, when she is, um, like getting struck by the blue magic, she is, in my mind, I think she's taking the life from the other witches in the coven, and that's the yellow. The yellow is that form of life. So for whatever reason, and even Agatha talks about it, is like you're able to spontaneously create this and you're making bacon and eggs. She has this ability in her as the Scarlet Witch, as this entity to where Agatha takes life to stay youthful and she takes it to become powerful. Scarlet Witch is different. She uses it to create, not to take. That scene was, was outstanding. Like when she's re when she's building the house, it looks like the cover of house of M where it's like her face being built with blocks. Like there was like a little bit of that aesthetic that was ingrained in that moment. But when she's creating vision and like to your point, that yellow and how, you know, it starts on the TV and you pull back because you're seeing the reflection that she's creating of a reflection of vision. You know, it's yellow, which is the Mind Stone. And I, I don't know, like, did she recreate the Mind Stone? Like my I, I'm like my that was my my initial sort of like reaction was like, is she recreating the Mind Stone right now? Like she she superseded, you know, Hayward's you know, model, she recreated an infinity stone kind of thing. So I'm wondering if that's going to play a factor. I don't know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Let's talk about theories on who Hayward might be. I really love this theory that was given to us uh, through a write-in from Matthew Mendoza from Toronto, who writes, okay, so now that we know what Hayward's true intention was with Vision's body, do you think it's still possible, uh, and Justin, you kind of already alluded to this, uh, that he wants to create his own line of sentinels to fight against superpowered individuals like the X-Men or preventing, you know, another Thanos situation or even crazier is Hayward Ultron. Yeah, I, I like both. I like that theory of him being right? Ultron. I like the theory that he's trying to get Ultron back online. Yes, we talked about this as well, yeah. But yeah, I think that there's there's they're building a, an interesting foundation with this sword agency that can establish a lot. You know, we've already gotten the nuggets of, of Fantastic Four, potentially, right? You know, we've gotten, you know, other sort of cosmic references within sword. So it's like, you know, there's a potential for them to be this sort of, you know, beacon of this this weaponized idea. So absolutely, and I, I made a prediction in our in one of our a previous episode that Hayward might be uh, the new Graydon Creed, right? Like a character mm. who's like a big bad against the X Men in the MCU. Um, and I hope I hope we don't lose Hayward at the end of this series, or at least that whatever Hayward was trying to do is carried forward, maybe by even another character comes back. You know, I think. Uh, some maybe I mean, dude, I'd be down for any of that stuff. And and the crazy thing is with 
how how intentional Marvel is with this multiverse situation. Uh, and I say intentional because we talked in our, our regular episode of, the, of uh, the Geekcentric podcast about how unintentional DC is kind of stumbling <laughs> into the multiverse. You know, I just think it's so fantastic that now Marvel has the ability to just say, well, you know what? We're going to do whatever we want because uh, multiverse, bro. Like, <laughs> deal with it. The only thing is that has the drum been beaten too much that this guy could be Mephisto? Right. Like, and I, I thought form. he was too. Yeah, like, I thought he like, was too. I think... Like to think that he is, I love the idea of him trying to activate Ultron again. Okay, that's that's interesting. I don't think he is Ultron. I I like the idea of him being like a striker type in that sense. Well, like I, I like that. Yeah. Um, Maybe to go a little bit further with the Ultron theory too, just to feed into it, how he talked to uh, Wanda in that scene looked very much like he knew more about her than you know than maybe anyone else in an agency power would you know he the reference of bringing him back to life or bringing him online like bring him online you know and then oh bringing him back to life like right oh yeah right? oh yeah so wow. it's like wow. so i don't know like there's 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 evidence to support that potentially something like that could happen but that's what's fun about this that's what's fun about like doing even just what we're doing right now just theorizing and talking and, and stuff like that about about these like little nuggets that they might put in place for whatever reason but anyways yeah uh, so yes um matthew thank you so much for writing into the show uh, and if you'd like to be just like Matthew and write into the show, Justin, where can I, where can our listeners, um, you know, get the dark magic needed to reach us? Uh, they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. All right. Back to the plot. Um, so Agatha is sitting in the audience clapping for Wanda as Wanda walks around the set uh, that was her, her own house uh, when Agatha disappears. And we hear Billy and Tommy screaming for help. Wanda runs out to the street to discover Billy and Tommy with purple magic wrapped around their necks uh, with Agatha in her truest form floating above them. We get like ultimate Agatha. Um, Agatha tells Wanda that she knows what she is, claiming that she's supposed to be a myth, a being capable of spontaneous creation, but that she's wasting it with this whole little life that she's made. Agatha tells Wanda that she's using chaos magic and that makes her the Scarlet Witch. What? Like, guys, before we before we get to that end credit scene, which, by the way, there was an end credit scene. If you haven't watched it, do so. Come back to us. But, guys, what does this mean for Wanda? What does it mean to be the Scarlet Witch? And I know we kind of touched upon this a little bit earlier, but I want to know, like, what do you guys think? What is what is going on here? How does Agatha know anything about this, Justin? This just connects back to what I was saying before about what she saw um, and it being an entity or a representation of a Scarlet Witch from a past or present or wherever in the in the existence of time of a Scarlet Witch. And I think that was the indication that like they're kind of they're transcending the Scarlet Witch role or the character to be something that is like almost more, you know, spiritual that embodies inside of her. Um, and that's why she is like, she's reached her full force. Um, they're, they're taking that Phoenix approach, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like maybe, maybe kind of like how the black Panther or even like avatar, the last airbender, like how, how it's passed on from, from person to person through generations of generations. Maybe, 
uh, Wanda saw the previous Scarlet Witch, right? And 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 that's why Agatha knows of the name because maybe she was on trial in this episode for inges- investigating or it's a legend. the magic of the Scarlet Witch, right? Exactly, investigating it's a legend, the legend, yeah. looking, right? And so maybe maybe that's uh, you know something to kind of go off of here. I don't know. I honestly just think it's incredible that this is the first time in the MCU that we get the Scarlet Witch, uh, you know, name. And, like, did they honestly have the foresight from their very first introduction that we are going to wait 10 movies and and the whole runtime of a TV show until we announce this name and this is why? I mean, I don't know if they had all the details planned out, but it's just so amazing they're... they're... Well, they, they hinted at it in this in this uh, this season. Remember when they had that altercation with... Uh, with uh, Chu and and um, and Hayward, and he's like, they, "There's no, there's no funny names for her, right? No, sir, no, no funny name on record for." Oh for yeah, they, her, they right? teased, like they definitely poked fun at that, yeah. And I thought that was making fun of that idea, like making fun of calling her like the Scarlet Witch, and that she's just Wanda Maximoff. And yet, what they're doing now is effectively saying she's the Scarlet Witch because of a a legends myth. Do you know what I mean like an entity that existed, and and you know, so it's it's nuts. But it's because it was previously owned by Fox. The name was owned by Fox. Wanda Maximoff was not owned by Fox. So they were able to use that character, but they weren't allowed to say Scarlet Witch. And it's so rewarding, Justin, to your point, that Marvel isn't just using the name, but they're adding it to the storyline in a way that actually adds more to the name itself. Like, that's just so freaking cool, dude. Well, I just find it interesting as well that, I like, the Scarlet Witch name in the comics doesn't have the same sort of connotations that it now has in this. So it's, it's it's a huge stray from the source material, which they don't... I mean, they alter that source material all the time, but to to almost reinvent something like this is very um, outside the box, and I love that they're owning it and doing it themselves. So it is. It is a reinvention of the Scarlet Witch of the character, because I thought, is, isn't Scarlet Witch... Isn't she an Omega? Well, there's... So there, there, there's, there are... In, like again, someone like Darcy would be able to elaborate on this, but there are iterations where, you know, Wanda is is a mutant who embodies the name Scarlet Witch. She was touched by a cosmic energy. A, a, there is okay, already okay, a lore to okay. that, um, like fa- like the Fantastic Four, yeah, kind right. of like that. But she's still a mutant, though. She is she is the child of 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 um, of Magneto, right? Um, yes. So so like all of that still plays in. But Nate, really good call out. I didn't. I totally forgot that. The Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver were owned by Fox. Yeah. Those names, so they could use the characters, the Maximoffs, but they didn't. They couldn't reference. It's really weird how that that licensing lined up with that IP. It's pretty nuts. So that's crazy. Cool, cool call out. But that is a very very cool point, Kevin. That if they did kind of reestablish the character, reinvent it in that way, and do a complete departure, they've done such an amazing job of sticking true to the to the original text. For them to do that in such a wonderful way that didn't piss off the fan base. Like that's an accomplishment. Absolutely. Like I've seen, I've seen nothing and I, I don't like to get too far into like, you know what, looking at fandom stuff, but like I've just seen, yes, wonderful. Finally it's there. Like if that's true, like we, we all know how dedicated fans are to the original text of things. So if that's true, then what a wonderful accomplishment and achievement that is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, another amazing accomplishment is how used to end credit stingers we are uh, now that we've seen them in so many different movies. 
And, uh, you know, guys, we get our, our second end credit stinger. Uh, where Hayward is, is you know, we, we see him gazing into the hex uh, when a sword operative tells him the team is ready to launch. Uh, he walks into a tent where he mentions they tried taking this thing apart and putting it back together with every energy source, including the sun, when it turns out they just needed to use a little energy directly from the source. In this case, that source is the drone uh, that they sent into the hex in episode five. Uh, we see the red glow surrounding it uh, and that it is hooked up to none other than a white vision. This white vision begins to power up and then the episode ends. What a moment. Like, guys, before before I get your thoughts on even this moment and, and final thoughts of the episode itself, I want to know, does anyone anyone in this room have more info on the white vision and what we're what we might be looking at in this moment? In the comics, there was a rebirth of Vision, and I think it was from Hank Pym. Very similar situation. They found his his body part, and they uh, re, they rebuilt him. Uh, I think the original iteration of Vision was taken was like its mind was adopted from Wonder Boy, which is where he got his personality. And Wonder Boy was not around to do the same thing for this new vision. So they created a, another vision without any personality, everything that defined him. So think of all the unique things right now about Paul Bettany that gives vision personality, right? It says this version of vision is going to be void of that. So it's going to be interesting to see. They, there was a whole comic series. Uh, I think it was West Coast Avengers. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was like, I, can't, I don't even know the dates, whatever. But West Coast Avengers, I know they did a whole series. And the cover was really cool because when they introduced vision, they, they did the exact same color when they reintroduced him, but he was white. And it was it's a cool sort of juxtaposition of the two images. So it's it's interesting that they're pulling in this 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 uh, comic book lore and giving it some relevancy in this cinematic universe. It'll just be interesting to see how they do it because they've already like that thing in his head. It's not the Mind Stone, right? It's it's obviously it almost looked like a like a nether. Um, it's a mini arc reactor. You know, it's, arc it's reactor. A, yeah, I was going to say right. Yeah. 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 So yeah. that's what I at least that's what it looked like, and I saw, and it makes sense that like something like from the from the hex would would give it its boost right very cool well and like how hip and meta and like with the times is hayward that he's making deep fake videos to fool everyone and now he's <laughs> he's basically 3d printing his own superhero <laughs> like that's awesome this guy this these he's hip uh awesome uh yes i mean yeah the fact that hayward is capable of manifesting uh you know his thoughts and and creating uh, a vision using a 3D printer is pretty. I mean, he didn't use a 3D printer, but uh, guys, I want to I want to hear your thoughts. I want you to manifest your thoughts, and I want to know what are your final thoughts on the episode, and what is your final score, your review score on this penultimate episode uh, with a rating scale of one to five reincarnated sentient weapons. Monroe, let's start with you. What's the rating again? What did you just say? <laughs> One to five reincarnated sentient weapons. Okay, so uh, <laughs> I, I again, I think uh, there's been. V- I don't think there's been a weak episode yet. I think everything has just been okay. Some things may have been happening a little bit lackluster. Um, this episode did such it was such an incredible job at delivering the MCU and the way that it's found its glory in the way that it's been successful but then also touched on 
uh, some really re- uh, real rooted stuff and some real great emotional moments that ties you to the human condition. Um, so I'm going to give it because I don't believe anything is uh, 100% perfect, but I'm going to give it uh, 4.9. What is the thing? What is what, is, what, what do you <laughs> I'm say? I'm so sorry. What is Reing- it? Reincarnated, reincarnated sentient, sentient weapons. Sen- sentient weapons? reincarnated sentient weapons okay so i don't think i give anything a five out of five i don't think anything is absolutely perfect but i'm going to give it a four point four point nine reincarnated sential weapons i'll take it i'll take it i'll take it at this point yeah no it's good it's good (laughs) justin how many sentient reincarnated sentient weapons are you giving this i'm giving this a solid five reincarnated sentient weapons I said it slow so I could remember it. Sentient. Um, it's sentient, sentient with a T. Sentient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, this this episode did everything for me. It uh, it answered questions. It raised more questions. Like, well, there's stuff we, we haven't even really talked about. Like, what does she mean by fake Pietro? Like, what happened there? Right? Mm. Like, you know, mm. like, I my eyes and my ears and, you know, she couldn't go to another con. I don't know. There's just, there's just so much that this, this, this episode did in such a well-mannered way. I feel like this episode must have been written first. Uh, in some ways, just because oh, it, wow, it, yeah. it, you know, to really establish a lot of like the background of how they were going to connect things and, and plant the eggs along the way of how we got to these moments, uh, ingraining the sitcom as a uh, coping mechanism, uh, a dreaming mechanism for Wanda, why she's built this world. Um, you know, not to necessarily talk bad about sitcoms, but the idea that sometimes they're not, they're, they're a fantasy, right? Yeah. They are, they are a, a sort of, a fictionalized life and for her and what she went through she saw that as a dream uh that she wanted so i think they connected everything that i would have wanted them to connect hence the score yeah great episode i cannot wait for next week's episode which i feel like will let me down in some ways interesting interesting uh, kevin your thoughts um as i mentioned off the top uh just the way they were able to convey so many different you know atmospheres and and sort of different types of entertainment or cinema, whatever, you know, it was, there were elements of horror, there were sci-fi elements, there was, there were the, you know, deep emotional, um, you know, undertones in certain scenes. And I just think the acting performances carried those moments and, and really brought them uh, to a a peak level. Um, I mean, we got so many answers um, in this, in this episode. And I mean, you could sort of piece some of them together yourself, right? Like you knew that she was building this world based on obviously watching this stuff growing up, but just the way they told that backstory, it just flushed it out so well. And, and the way they gave these answers, even just for Agatha's sort of origin story, you know, they did it in five minutes and we perfectly understood where she came from, how she is, you know, capable of doing what she does and what her motivations are. And it took them five minutes. It didn't need a whole movie. You know, it was one scene in one episode of a TV show. So they're, they're absolutely brilliant. And um, yeah, I think this is right up there with the top episodes so far. 
So I'll give it uh, one of my higher scores. I'll, I'm going to give it 4.8 um, uh, weaponized sentient, no, uh, reincarnated uh, sentient weapons out of five. No, no you were you were doing like, that was like your first slip up of all the eight episodes. I know, I had, I, I was so cocky. I was like, I got this one again. And then yeah, I blew yeah. it. <laughs> I, I purposely make it difficult. Uh, guys, I thought this episode had so much to it from a standpoint of offering context and also really bringing Wanda back from being a villain uh, to see what she lived through in her darkest moments. I thought that the fact that that they they just focused uh, on a, a bit of Agatha and then and then a lot of Wanda was really excellent, really well paced. Uh, it really felt like a Christmas Carol, but for for dark, sad Wanda times and not Christmas. Um, but overall, like, well, it was it was very much another episode to set up the finale. I think it it you know as I said earlier, it wholeheartedly achieved what it needed to be as a second last penultimate episode. Um, the the scene with with Wanda and her family and the moment she shares with Vision were some of the most touching moments in the entire series. And I'm I'm a big I'm a big sap, so I I, I, I freaking enjoyed it so much. Yeah, yeah, I was crying. I was crying. Okay, um, no, it had heart. It had the most heart for sure. Um, but no, I I think this is up there. Honestly, I'm gonna say it. This is up there with one of my favorite episodes of TV in the past few years, which is the the second last episode of um, Watchmen. And uh, and this does a very similar thing to the second last episode of Watchmen, where it goes back to 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 bring you forward. Uh, and um, I I don't know, man. I really love this episode. I'm giving it five reincarnated sentient weapons. This was just excellent television. Lastly, on the show, uh, we like to give any and all predictions for how we think the show might continue going forward. And with next week being the big finale, I want to know how you think everything is going to end up in the hex. So, Kevin, I want to know, what's the vision? All right, I'm jumping in first because I'm terrible at predictions and I won't even try. (laughs) Um, But I do think that one thing that's almost certain will be that uh, we're going to get Doctor Strange in the next episode. Whether he's the only big sort of cameo or appearance, um, but I just think the fact that the book um, that we see in episode eight uh, in Agatha's sort of layer there. Um, a lot of fans are speculating that in the Dr. Strange movie, uh, he goes to the ancient one's library and there's a book missing and they just sort of, it's just there. And then it's never talked about again. So once again, these guys putting in a little detail six years ago into a movie and then all this time later giving you a payoff for it. They're just <laughs> so incredible. And so that's the only thing that's sort of got me like confident 100% they're going to touch on that in one way or another. But I'm honestly more excited to hear your guys' predictions on what you think because they have so much to resolve in this episode. It better be at least an hour long. Like there are uh, so many yeah. loose ends the, yeah, to well, set they- up where it's going. My thing is, is that there's so many loose ends, but there's so many. There's also so many things that they're gonna leave leave you hanging with. It's 100%. just which which is gonna be which, right? Like, what are they oh, gonna do? Which is Ooh. gonna be which? <laughs> oh, Monroe, you with the puns this time. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Monroe, you should go. You're our guest. You should go first. What are you? What is your vision for the fun finale? I've one that is, I think, pretty obvious, and the one I think is a is a pretty good hot take. So. 
I think we're going to see which first Wanda on both sides of the coin. I think we're going to see the duel of the Scarlet Witch versus uh, Agatha and yeah. the other Vision. I think we're going to see how we referenced earlier, how Wanda is has the ability to create life. She has the ability to make things that are tangible. Her Her power turned on white Vision. I think she's going to somehow pour all of her heart through her power to create a version of an infinity stone to plant in division. I think that's what's going to place there and it won't be a yellow stone. It's going to be a red stone. I think it's going to be something I I think, I think, I think she'll somehow create something because when he tried to exit it, he was dissolving and you saw yellow dissolving away because it wasn't real. I think she's going to find a way to make him real through her power as a as a as a power there but i also think i don't think if benedict cumberbatch comes in as um uh sorry forgive me can you i dr strange dr strange thank you jesus christ so if benedict cumberbatch does come in as dr strange that's wonderful i'm into it but the rumor is that it's a luke skywalker like appearance like in mandalorian to me there's only other one other person that can do what Scarlet Witch does. That is very, very interesting. And we have not seen this reference come in yet. I think you're going to see the X-Men come in. And I think we're going to see Patrick Stewart come in as Professor X or, wow. or Magneto. I think it has to be somebody that's going to rock your socks off. But I don't think like, again, I love Doctor Strange. I love Benedict Cumberbatch. To me, he's not Luke Skywalker. Yes, of 100%. the Marvel Universe. See, for a, for a second there, I thought you were going to say Mark Hamill is going to come in as Mephisto. <laughs> I, I think a Luke Skywalker level, uh, you know, that would be, I think that would be pretty fantastic. I, I, I think it's going to be an OG, yeah. original X-Men okay. character, okay. whether it's Wolverine, whether wow. it's uh, Professor X, whether it's Magneto. I think we're going to see an original come in. If, if wow. it, they stay true to the Luke Skywalker reveal because there's nothing okay. bigger than that okay well and and they sh- it shouldn't have been said if there isn't going to be a payoff to that and i agree like that's why i said i think benedict's coming but i i don't think he'll be the only one um right. so yeah it's gotta be it's got you're like 100 percent right well speaking about if it's gonna be a big payoff or not there's a lot of rumblings going on guys i mean clearly we're gonna get a big fight at the end uh, you know, that we would have never predicted, which is Vision fighting Vision, which is making a lot of people wonder if Paul Bettany's just trolling us the entire time in those interviews and the amazing actor that he was talking about was himself. Like, <laughs> is, is that what's going to happen, oh, right? Man. Like, what a... What a that's such a Paul Bettany thing to do. S- send him the Troll of the Year award now. Right? You know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but for my for my What's the Vision, and then Justin, we'll, we'll throw it over to you. Um, I think we end the show on a cliffhanger uh, with, with Wanda, White Vision, and Agatha disappearing, uh, and Westview going back to normal. Uh, I think that Senor Scratchy is Ralph, a.k.a. Mephisto, uh, and that Agatha is in love with him. And that she's unable to pull the body of the rabbit, uh, pull him out of the body of the rabbit. Her magic just does not 
go that far. And that's really her, her end game here, her main goal. Uh, and I think, I think the whole thing could end, you know, if they want to do, listen, they could do a crazy stinger at the end with a Mephisto new actor, whatever. They could also go the route of a silly stinger at the end, or maybe a second post credits, you know, kind of like we had the falafel, uh, you know, in, in the original Avengers, the falafel restaurant. I think it could end with Monica talking to Jimmy and Darcy and Jimmy's just trying to show them a new magic trick. <laughs> I think that would be such a, a wonderful way to, <laughs> to say goodbye to those characters before, before we see something like, you know, Mephisto will return in, you know, I don't know, uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Justin, what's the vision? Oh, I, this is just so hard to keep up with now, right? Like, it's, there's just so much. Like, I don't even know, like, if if it's really Mephisto or if it's something bigger and if we'll even see that, if we'll get that payoff, you know, maybe we're going to get hints of it. Maybe that's one of the things that leaves us with the cliffhanger because, you know, it's just, it's building to something more. Um, I think we'll get a showdown, obviously, between, between, uh, I, Monica has to come back and be a part of that showdown. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, like uh, she has to at least in some capacity. I'm sure we'll get more answers about Pietro. Maybe I don't know. It's just it's there's just so much that they need to do. To Kevin's point, there's just so much that is going to have to happen um, in it uh, with the book as well. Like, what is that all about? There's so many different books within the Marvel comics that ha- has spiritual attachments to it and and within it. That they, what book it could be any any of these books. So it's like, you know, there's just a lot that that needs but, to be kind of resolved. It's it's so. But to hard. your point earlier, to your point earlier, Justin, you had even just said like they're going to have to pick and choose. What do they what I do know. they unveil and what do they hold back I, for seemingly forever until we get the Doctor Strange movie? Right? I just I feel like the Doctor Strange thing could even you know that stinger, if it happens, you know that movie's not coming out until next year. Like I'm wondering now too. It's like would it be more suffice to see a, a Spider-Man, right? Mm. Like something more, cause wow. that's coming out sooner than, than Dr. Strange. So I, I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be hard to, t- to really tell, man. I, I don't know. But I think to that point of you not knowing where it's going to go, that's what's wonderful right now about this yeah. cliffhanger of the second last yes. episode yeah. where I, I had it. We talked about this in the last episode. I was here with you, with you all fine gentlemen um, about the Mandalorian I knew Luke Skywalker was coming. Like, you knew he was coming. You're like, if because when you look at the storyline, he has to be the guy. Here, I have no clue who it's going to be. If it is Doctor Strange, I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> yeah, totally. if, it's, if it's somebody I don't know, I'm going to lose my shit. If it's John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic, oh my gosh. I, I'm going to lose my shit. Like, if that's, it's Tobey they, Maguire... <laughs> I'll lose I will lose my <laughs> at the same time though what is wonderful is that they've they've done such a beautiful job from one to eight creating this incredible series and you don't know what the I'm sorry to swear what the f- is gonna happen in the last episode and how yeah. wonderful is it? you have no clue we can all guess. We think it's Mephisto, but we don't. But that's where Marvel is so amazing. There's so many possibilities. And the fact that they've decided to go this route, it's just going to be so... Like, I don't see how I'm going to be underwhelmed. To your point, uh, Justin, how you feel like it's going to be that I don't know how we can because it could be anybody. Like, who who, who, who could it be that you're going to be disappointed by? 
What if it's Deadpool? De- amazing. <laughs> well, <Right>? Amazing. <laughs> sure. Then stop watching TV shows because it's over. That's the bench. <laughs> so funny. Oh, my gosh. I am so excited. Uh, I absolutely cannot wait. And I love, I love, love, love that we only have to wait, you know, less than a week to 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 get it to get to get to this next moment and then and then and then right and then you yeah you could rewatch it and then you can watch that documentary that's going to come out the the next week and then after that we get another MCU show every Friday like are you kidding me right now so cool and of course we are definitely going to be doing a watch club for Falcon and the Winter Soldier I am so freaking stoked Monroe Maybe we'll get you on that one as well at some point, if that's okay with you. Anytime Very we talk cool. to you, fine gentlemen, I'll, I'll, I'll jump on, boys. Amazing. Well, before we wrap up, uh, Monroe, is there anything you want to plug or, or let our listeners know? I know you're not really on the social medias or anything like that, but uh, anything you want to plug or, or let our listeners know where they can find more of your work? Yeah, uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm at the underscore Monroe. Um, Nothing right now. Uh, hopefully by the time we do, uh, if I can jump on uh, the next Watch Club for uh, Falcon Winter Soldier, there'll be a couple of things to talk about. But oh. I got some pretty exciting stuff that's happening, which I'm really happy about and very excited to talk about, but I can't talk about it right now. So Okay. Dude, thank you so much for coming on this week's episode. Uh, I Honestly, I think your uh, perspective as an actor uh, and somebody kind of inside the industry, you know, I, I love... I love hearing all of that and i think it just it's just a different perspective than uh our listeners and even even we're used to hearing so again thank you so much i i appreciate it you know and that's why i was so excited to get on to this watch club as much as i was for uh mandalorian like because i'm i'm a star wars fan but for this one this series has just blown me away um yeah like i said from top to bottom to the production so i you know it's it's been such an incredible clinic that they've put on so and thank you for so much for having me on and i can't wait to listen to uh the finale for the watch party for wandavision absolutely that's it uh we hope you enjoyed this week's incredible look back episode of watch club and if you did make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts Uh, you can tune in next week to hear our thoughts on the wandavision finale uh, where we'll have even more to discuss with a brand new guest who I have never podcasted with before, who I think everyone is going to be so excited for. Uh, it's fireworks. It's going to be like fireworks. It's, it's amazing. Uh, <laughs> also, if you don't know, we have more than just Watch Club. We also have our regular episodes of the Geekcentric Podcast with our latest episode out now focusing on the latest news from around the Geekiverse, where I uh, I trash... Uh, a certain movie trailer that uh, Kevin and Justin have, you know, they think it's going to be amazing. Dude, it's not going to be that great, okay? It's not going to be that great. I don't care if you have to say, get over here, a hundred times. Go give that a listen, and feel free to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Justin, Kevin, and Monroe, thank you so much for joining me on today's Watch Club, and as we say, WandaVision! WandaVision!